The first time I ever got shot at, I'll never forget this. February 14th, I think that's what he does. AK-47 fire from this side, mortars from the front. I was scared shitless, sorry. Um, I was scared out of my mind. I didn't know what to do. I froze, deer in headlight. I went to the nearest place that I could to get cover. I went to a <laughs> telephone pole and I switched up real like this. And I was like, and my squad leader's like behind concrete blocks, like far. What the hell are you doing? Nearby get over here. Pole. And I, I had no idea what I was doing when I was, it was, it was a wake up call. This is a story about people, but more importantly, this is a story about people overcoming hardship and being a part of something greater than themselves. We're joined today by Andrew and Cindy in our studios in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks David. Awesome. Cindy, do, do I have this correct? You were the second class of co-ed basic training in the United States Army. Yes, that is true. Yep. Back and in... Back in when? What year is that? 1978. 1978. And what, uh, why'd you join the army? Well, I come from a family, a okay. military family. My uncle was my hero. He served in the Vietnam War. He was a Marine. And my dad served 36 years in the Texas Army National Guard. Okay. And I just knew it's what I was going to do when I grew up. So straight out of high school in 1978. Straight out of high school. Straight out of high school. And where'd you go to basic at? Uh, Fort Jackson. Were the policies or because it was so new having co-ed, was it, how was it? They didn't have a clue on what to do. They were, <laughs> they were still trying to figure things out. And um, I remember I had sought some sort of counsel from somebody before I left saying, what do I need to bring for basic training? Because I was looking for, um, I, was, I was scared. I didn't know what to take. <clears throat> and, As your recruiter didn't tell you? Uh, no. Interesting. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, because apparently, prior to basic, co-ed basic training, that was what they focused on with women. Their uniforms, their hair, heels, nylons, that kind of thing. Interesting. So I showed up at the reception station with this stinking wig. And within 10 minutes of arriving and getting off that bus, I threw that wig in the trash. Because I knew I was going to get my butt kicked. And a wig wasn't going to make it. So <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> this hair has kind of been a staple of, uh, of who you are all these years. Huh? Yep. And I'm, I kept it up and it that. never fell down. So. And then how was basic for you? Um, it was, I was an athlete, so okay. I was a swimmer in high school. Yeah. So um, most importantly, I had an upper body strength. Okay. And in the military, if as a female, if you can do push-ups, you're golden. Sure. So I could I could do 80 push-ups. Were there co-ed drill sergeants? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. And basically the way it was structured, we had um, one squad of females and three squads of males. And by the end of the cycle, and that was, um, you know, we had five companies. So by the end of the cycle, we had one squad of females. And... Uh, Interesting. It, it took them a while to figure things out, and um, but it physically it wasn't an issue for me, and that was what the problem is for most women. Gotcha. And then tell me a little bit about your uh, your time in the army. Well, once I graduated from basic training, um, I uh, spent two uneventful years as an admin clerk, and then I left and went to the Texas Army National Guard, and uh, where I went to the where I went to OCS, so I received my com my commission there. Oh, wow. 
and I, again, being that groundbreaking female, huh. uh, I was asked to stay on at the academy as a tech officer, which is kind of like a, a drill sergeant in the OCS Academy. Interesting. So, because again, I was fit. Um, uh, in my, my style, because uh, I'm short, uh, I was really intimidating to most men. At that time, I was young, I was female, and I could out push and run most of them. So I didn't have to run around barking like a little chihuahua. I just kind of walked in front of them, and it was just intimidating. So um, uh, it was a very non-traditional female role at the time, and I, I loved it. And I spent another couple of years, and then I left, and um, that's when I met my husband. So that starts another story. And he was also military, correct? He was Marine. Yes. He was uh, graduated from the Naval Academy class of 76. He went to. He wanted to fly fighters. The Navy wouldn't let him. So he went to Bud's, wow. uh, washed out of Bud's, uh, ended up in the hospital with mm. hypothermia, and the Marine Corps liaison showed up and offered him fighters. So he left the Navy, switched over to Marine Corps, and uh, so he flew F-4s until, uh, until we met. Wow, that's very cool. And how many children do you have? We have three. And <clears throat> like I said in, in this intro, and you know, anybody knows how the show works, I never know what I'm going to say or intro or anything like that, but... There was a, a, a tragedy in your family, mm-hmm. which led you to ultimately be involved in the organization you're in today, which led you to meet Andrew and this just national platform that you're doing. Yeah. Can you, do you mind? And I don't want to pry. This is always a touchy, I no. never know what to say when you get to matters of the heart like this, but yeah. what, what happened? Yeah, no, he's, uh, so we were married uh, 22 years. We have three children. Two of our children are um, com- army combat vets. Okay. And... Um, he struggled with demons for years and years and years. We looked like the better gardens and home family. Sure. Uh, we, were, we looked great from the outside. But inside our home, there was so much darkness. There was pain. There was a lot of hurt. Uh, um, was a lot of that, I'm sorry, was any of that a lot of it military related or other things? As- um, not so much military. It was childhood trauma that okay. he had experienced. And, okay. uh, and that, of course, just led to some other poor choices later in life. Sure. And uh, So struggled for many, many, many years. And in 2007, he committed suicide. Oh. So he was, uh, um, he, he left this planet and was free from his demons. The challenge, though, was that he left those demons to his children. Mm. And so as a result of his suicide, my children have struggled for, well, it's been 13 years, um, everything from addictions, poor mm. relationships, uh, bad health. If, if we took the self-help section in the library, we, my family can have at least written a chapter in every single book. Oh, my god! I mean, we've got, we are so diverse with our dysfunction. <laughs> we've covered the gamut. Were there <laughs> signs of his suicide? Did you pick up on prior leading up to the event? I did. I did. Um, I, I saw him spiraling. Um, uh, this, this man is bigger than life. He was a fighter pilot. He was an MD. He went to medical school. Oh, wow. Uh, he flew with the airlines. Um uh, for 21 years. Uh, so he was, he finished medical school. Then we went to an, um, one of his Naval Academy reunions and all of his friends were flying and they were tan and had lots of money. And he was pasty white. We were broke because he was still in medical school. So he finished medical school, then started flying with American Airlines. So um, bigger than life, man's bigger than life. So that, I mean, mental illness and depression and that has no judgment as to age, social, economic no. class, education, background. It's everybody. It's everybody. And he's, wow. um, like I said, he was a bigger than life man. 
uh, carried a huge presence. Wow. Was it ever a thought that in your head that he might commit suicide? Not till the very end. Well, no. Um, I, I knew something was really wrong. And this is an interesting part of the story. Stephanie was actually downrange at the time. Stephanie, my, my oldest daughter. Okay. So she was actually in Afghanistan at the time. So when I got the knock at one o'clock in the morning, there were two uniforms outside my door. They were policemen, but my first thought was, this is DOD showing up oh. at my door. And so when I opened the door, I just knew that Stephanie, that it was Stephanie. They're telling me that because she was um, a, a gunner in a Black Hawk and she was, she has over 300 combat hours. So I knew she oh, was in a role goodness. that that was a, a very real possibility. Oh. So when I opened the door, I, I braced myself and then they told me it was Rand. And I was, I stood there and I didn't react. And uh, so they kind of were like, do you hear what we just told you? But what they didn't understand what was going on in my head I, listen, was, whoa. I got to interrupt you. I'm not going to get into it. I have a very, and I mean very similar story. We'll talk about that off camera. Okay. So you open the door, hear a uniform, and you don't, you think, you're thinking that <laughs> you're about to be told my daughter is KIA, dead, whatever have you. Yeah. And they say, no, it's yeah. your husband. Mm-hmm. Woo. Took a little while for that to process. <laughs> I'm still processing that. Yeah. So, and I'm not putting words in your mouth because mm-hmm. my similar situation was, oh, I thought my son died one time. Mm. So at first, I my knee buckled. I'm like, my son is dead. Mm-hmm. And then when I found out who actually died, it was a little bit of relief at the same time now, holy shit, holy sh- yeah. that person died. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. It took me a moment. And wow. they, And again, they were Jeez. staring at me like, what's going on with this lady? Because I literally was just <clears throat> standing there and um, oh. just this, this whole thing happening. So, uh, and not, we don't have to get into all the details, but mm-hmm. right then, was suicide the known cause of death at that moment? I mean, did you, you yeah. knew that they knew the details to share with you? Yep. Yep, they did. And you had one daughter deployed, and the other where? Uh, both of my the other two children were still at home. They hadn't; they were still younger. And now, and oh man, I'm throwing off my train of thought here. So, so now you have to inform your children that their father ha- is dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to ask how that is because I know how that is. I mean, I mean. Well, it was funny. My son and I were just recently talking about it because he went on another show to talk about being the survivor. And um, he knew when I woke him up, he looked at me and he goes, is dad okay? That was his first question. I mean, I I sat down next to him in the night and I said, he goes, is dad okay? And I said, no. And we just started crying. So he knew. He knew. We're going to bring this all full circle and I have Mm -hmm. more questions about Mm -hmm. that. Wow. Wow. Uh, I knew the high level kind of story behind this as we've chatted before, but th- that's that. Those are some chilling details. Wow, Andrew, sir. Uh, thanks for coming out. Number one, thank you so much for having me. You have also <clears throat> an amazing story. Um, you joined the Marine Corps, sir, a little later in life. I mean, I joined Army right out of high school, but you joined a little bit later in life. What did you do before the Marines? Uh, graduated from college uh, in two thousand one. Worked for Sherwin-Williams down in Naples, Florida. I was an assistant store manager of a $1.5 million store. And after 9-11, I heard heard it on the Howard Stern Show. 
And nine thought, eleven happened on the Howard Stern show. Okay. And I thought it was a joke. And then I went home. And I was like, oh my God, what happened? Um, so I went to my recruiter and I was like, hey, I want to join up. My mom said, nope, you're not joining the Marine Corps. So I waited three years and then I joined in 2004. After you had graduated college. Yes, sir. And you joined as a? I was 26. I was the oldest, dumbest, smart kid that they had ever seen. <laughs> so you're a 26-year-old Marine Corps grunt. Sir. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, but more importantly, you were in at a, every time's a unique time at war, but you were in a very unique time, maybe in the surge back in Ramadi and those areas. Fallujah, Ramadi. Yes, sir. Wow. And you had two rotations there? Uh, 2005, we were in Karma, right outside of Fallujah. 2006, Ramadi, Battle of... For, for people listening, paint this picture of what Ramadi and Fallujah is. And I mean, start with your first rotation, but paint this picture. What were you guys doing there? We did post. We did patrols, uh, mounted or dismounted. Um, I just It's kind of a blur because it, it, each one were about six months long. Uh, Ramadi was a wild west. We had no ROEs. Um, I had a captain that said, if it, uh, if it moves, kill it. So wow. we did. And, I cleaned my gun a lot. I fired it a lot. I walked a lot. Uh, I was 182 pounds. I was muscle and this and sinew and bone. And and we lost a lot of guys. Uh, we lost eight in 2005 and 17 um, oh. in 2006. That's rough. That's real rough. Were you... S Knowing what it is the first time you saw it, knowing that you had to go back there the second time, how did that, how did that sit with you? It actually was a lot better. I was not a very good Marine uh, in 05. I, I'd never been shot at. And the first time I ever got shot at, I'll never forget this, February 14th, I don't 2005. I does. AK-47 fire from this side, mortars from the front. I was scared shitless. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. I didn't know what to do. I froze. Deer in headlight. I went to the nearest place that I could to get cover. I went to a <laughs> telephone pole. And I squinched up real like this. And I was like, and my squad leader's like behind concrete blocks. is like, far. What the hell are you doing? You're behind over a telephone here. pole. And I, I had no idea what I was doing when I was, it was, it was a wake up call. I was like, oh, this is what it's like. Always okay? is. Yeah. Did it get easier? Yeah. Actually, I was uh, a Marine's Marine in 2006. Um, got the Purple Heart. I uh, got shrapnel in my foot uh, when we were doing a patrol and... It was uh, it was a lot easier uh, the second time. Wow. Talk to me a little bit about your transition out of the Marines. Uh, it was hard. Um, I was a uh, alcoholic. Uh, 2009, 2010, um, I drank a lot. Um, I my dad had killed himself um, when I was in boot camp. Um, second month, he uh, he hung himself and. Um, there were, we didn't know any signs. I got the Red Cross message while I was in boot camp. So I didn't really think about dad's death until after I got out. How does that go down? Does a drill sergeant bring you in, drill instructor bring yep. you in and just sit you down and? Yeah. Uh, the senior drill was like, far, get in here. So I got in here, got into his office. Uh, senior drill was right there. Chaplain was right there. I looked at the chaplain. I was like, who is it? Really? I knew somebody had died because there's a chaplain. And then they got me a, a phone call home, and I called mom, and I bawled my eyes out when she told me. 
Were you close to your dad growing up? He was a lieutenant commander in the Navy, a psychiatrist. Yes, I was very close with him. Wow. Um, if I could start. No. Wow, I can't even imagine. He was, uh, <clears throat> he was my hero. Um, he took me to hockey games. He went to every, like, I went to boarding school. He went to every single game that I ever played. Um, he was, I was a rower as well. And uh, he went to every sporting event I went to. So he was my hero. I can't even imagine. And you get a call home and then they just say, hey, back to work? Uh, yeah, so I went home to the funeral. Uh, my kill hat took me to Savannah International Airport. Uh, went home to upstate New York where they were living. Uh, buried my father and came back that end of that weekend and continued training because uh, mission first, my uh, Marines are really good at saying mission first. So we, you f- uh, you're in the middle of boot camp. Yeah. You fly home mm-hmm. to bury your father. Then you fly back to boot camp. You yep. pick up the clap, pick up where you left off and graduated boot camp. September 17th, 2004. I got it, nothing. It was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. My kill hat actually, he's a Sergeant major retired now. Um, he was talking to me like a human being when we were going to the airport. And then when we got back to Paris Island, he's like, Far, when we get out these doors, I gotta I gotta be Turn you loose. I gotta I gotta turn loose on you. I'm like, All right. So it was just back to normal after wow. I shut that door. How soon when you got to your first duty station did you get deployed? Let's see, I graduated school of infantry. <laughs> Uh, December 17th, 2004, deployed January 5th, 2005. December to January. Yep. I, I literally got nothing. So you, I buried my father. I graduated. I show up at boot camp, and now I'm in Iraq, all within a six-month time frame, give yep. or take. And then we came home August 2005, and then deployed again March of 2006, came back October 2006, and then we did another workup. Did for... you have time to process everything? No. That's why. That's why after I got out, I had such a hard time, and I'm still, of course, dealing with a lot of loss. And but it's better. I'm a recovering alcoholic of two and a half years and 832 days sober today. And, Congratulations. Uh, one of the big things that helped me was uh, this woman sitting next to me. She's amazing. She. Uh, I. I wanted to do a hike for Reverend Warriors. Um, in Nashville, Tennessee, where I, I live now, she would not give me a hike until I was at least six months sober. So let's go into that and talk about Irreverent Warriors, because I feel that is a bond that brought you guys together. I feel it's a bond bringing veterans from all over the country together. But Cindy, how did you and your kids deal, cope, after the events with your husband? Well, like I said, uh, we spent years and years going through every dysfunction, every addiction, every mental illness, counseling, um, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of counseling. And oh. um, but two of the kids went active duty, and uh, that was their therapy. But um, in January of 2016, I'd heard about this uh, these Silkies hikes, and they just they were actually just um, 
their first hike was in 2015. So this was January of 16. Stephanie was at Fort Stewart and Neil was at Fort Lewis, Washington. And I called the kids and I said, take a couple leave days. Let's all go together down to Houston and do this hike thing. Let's do this for dad. Bring veterans together using humor and camaraderie to improve mental health and prevent veteran and active duty suicide. That's it, plain and simple. It's all we're here for. For all you know, there's somebody in this crowd right now that needs this hike more than anybody can imagine, and I would condemn anybody that would hold anything against them. So there is no, you're weak. There is no, oh, you don't know how to cope. No, fuck that. We're coping by doing this. This is why we're here to cope. This is a family, this is community. Nothing but happy, love, and just irreverent shit all day. That's all that has to happen, because we know it works. And so we showed up and, uh, oh my gosh, we found our people. We found our community. We laughed so hard that day. Our cheeks, our faces were hurting. Our sides were hurting. And plus the energy of the, all three of us coming back together. Um, and we found other people that, that just got it. And we weren't grieving Rand anymore, but we found other people that, um, that thought like we did. It wasn't about suicide sure. prevention at that moment. Sure. But what it, it just... did do was when you, you connect, you make those connections and just a day of, of uh, connection and you go away on a high and whatever it was that you were dealing with going into that day, you've got the strength to deal with it now. There, it's it's, it's going to carry you on to like the next You day. felt an energy going oh, when yeah. you were there. Oh, yeah. And that was in 2016. Uh-huh. And this organization, the first hike was in 2015. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to that. And Andrew, when did you first hear about uh, the organization, Reverend Warriors? Twenty eighteen, my first hike in Savannah, Georgia. It was amazing. I've been addicted ever since. Were you sober at that time? I don't no, know. not at all. Actually, <laughs> no. no. So uh, you're hiking and you're drinking. Oh, and- I was I was hammered at that first hike. <laughs> uh, Joel Cable, I'm sorry, buddy. But he's the one that gave me beer, another fellow Marine. And um, I <laughs> probably had six or seven beers before I even started. Wow. And I played it off. My wife, uh, she's probably watching right now, uh, or she will. Um, and she she knew I was drunk, but she didn't say anything. Um, I was just having fun with with my friends. And um, 
It was it was the most ama- it was the most surreal, amazing time I've ever had in my entire so what, life. What, that, I mean, you're kind of alluding to it, but what did that hike do to you emotionally? Surrounded by just people you loved and like-minded individuals. I got a try back. I got a support system back. I was like, oh my gosh, these people are amazing. I love every single person in the organization. Everyone, leadership all the way down to the volunteers. Wow. So this organization, and in the grand scheme of things, 2015 to where we are today, in the grand scheme of things of life, that's not very old. Mm-mm. No, no. But yet they have just exploded. Can, can you talk to me? A little bit about, about the, the growth. Yeah. yeah. I wanna, I'm always curious how organizations grow. <laughs> yeah. So after that first hike, my daughters uh, wanted me to go back to Savannah with her and do a hike there. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> she goes, we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to take this. We got to take this somewhere else. So we did our first hike uh, on Tybee Island, and it was amazing. So the people that were there that had come in uh, wanted started doing hikes along the East Coast, and they asked for my help to do that. And then Donnie O'Malley, the founder of the organization, had somehow caught wind what I was doing and asked me to take over the organization on a national level. And because uh, I was retired and um, being a vet myself, it was easy for me to connect with these people. Sure. I'm, I'm mature. I had the time. Yeah. So um, and uh, there's not anything pe- someone can throw at me that I am not willing to try to deal with. And so coming into this, it was kind of rogue when I first took over. <laughs> You get a bunch of vets together, many of them drinking, I no rules. I see how that could go a couple of different ways. <laughs> no rules, a lot of energy. Um, there's a lot of um, uh, things that needed to change. And so when I stayed him on board, we started implementing. Uh, we, got, we were insured. Uh, we were permitted at this point. So that required us to follow some rules. So at the beginning, we had to do the pre-hike briefing. You can't. Uh, there's things you can't do in public. Sure. Uh, <laughs> things that are against the law. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we don't want you to look like a bunch of drunken freaking idiots walking down the street. That's not the image we want to portray to the community. You can only imagine a couple of civilians just seeing a bunch of you know people in silkies uh, just walking down the street drinking beer or whatever have you. Was there a growth plan in place? Like we want to be in X amount of cities by this date, or was it more just an organic kind of? Sp- it was organic, and no one, even Donnie. Uh, in fact, he started. He he did the first hike and had no intention of this growing anywhere. So it was the people on his hike that took it out. Interesting. It, it was a movement in the beginning. He realized that to be responsible, he needed to create the five hundred one c three so we could be permitted, raise funds responsibly, and that sort sure. of thing. So then it just started growing, and every year it was like, okay, let's just do another year, see where it goes. Wow. Uh, so two years of that, and then Donnie asked me to take over the organization, and at that point we got serious. I started bringing in a team, an amazing team of really qualified, motivated, committed, passionate players. Wow. And uh, we have an amazing team. And how many hikes have, in the past couple of years, how many uh, the organization as a whole done? Well, even through COVID this year, we were scheduled initially for 54 hikes. We still did over 48. We were Just in 2020? Just in 2020, through COVID. Right. We did. We followed all the COVID procedures, yeah. temperatures, masks, forms, social distancing. We hiked in groups. We did uh, And we pulled it off. Oh, boy. Oh. And so, Andrew, you're a so, – no. So you're a – what's your title or role with the organization? Um, well, we're kind of changing the title, but um, I'm in charge. I'm the district – I, I call myself a district commander of Tennessee. Okay. Um, so you help plan the hikes, 
and I give advice. I I do. I I basically relay what leadership tells me, and then I tell my coordinators. Uh, we've got Nashville, uh, Clarksville, uh, Memphis, Knoxville, Chattanooga. Wow. Um, and it's it's crazy. Uh, it's it's awesome. I love I love all my coordinators. Um, it's just it's amazing. Uh, just it's uh, general order number six for the Marines is to receive, obey, and pass on to the sentry all orders from the commanding officer. She's a commanding officer. That's what I do. And how were you able to, how'd you get this position? Uh, by working my butt off. Um, <laughs> actually, I did, I did my hike in Nashville. It was the biggest in Tennessee uh, in 2019. We had 225 veterans marching around Nash Vegas. Um, I, I think that's what got me into the position. I'm not sure. I really haven't been told what I did to, to get this honor. Um, yeah, he's minimizing his role. He is a powerful leader. He's m inspirational. He's organized. He's committed. And he's passionate. It People, shows. Yeah. When he it. says, we're going to do a hike here, or someone says, I want to do a hike here, Andrew's like, let's do it. This is how we do it. And he's there every step of the way. What are you seeing? And I think boots on the ground. These hikes. What are you seeing? This is doing two veterans with mental health issues, PTSD. What What are you seeing? Because you're talking. You're there. This is not some you know TV. <laughs> you're on the ground with people face to face. What is what What do you? What's the impact of this? So one of the things that makes us very different from any other organization that does hikes. Uh, we are veteran and active duty only. There are no civilians in the element. So it is a designed to be a safe place um, where you are surrounded by people that, number one, will not judge you. And number two, connect with you one way or another. Somehow we all have a similar experience. So as we're – and it's not an athletic event, so it's a stroll. We're walking. <laughs> and um, it's so – so I might have a chance is what you're saying. Yeah, we, you can do it. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's so it gives you time to talk. And that's uh. when you you start opening up and someone says, mention something, especially where I'm at in this uh, organization. I'm always in the rear of the hike. I'm always at the back. So I'm, I'm always watching. And that's a lot of times where you feel that the people that get inside their heads and they kind of fall back. And that's where you start hearing the pain. Wow. And so you just, that's when you just, Take that moment and you just start asking questions. And Is it still soothing for you as it was when you went in 2016 oh, yeah. or is it more of a, I'm, okay, I'm in charge now and I got to organize this because I'm working? No, I've got an amazing team. Oh, uh, when you're doing the hikes, it's still oh, soothing hike, for you. Yeah. Is it still, um, you still get a personal oh, yeah. healing or? Oh, it's, it's adrenaline. I mean, there's a lot of adrenaline leading up to it, making sure things are in place. But uh, once we step off. It's a whole different, it's just a whole different animal. That element is a whole different animal. It becomes a, a life of its own. Wow. And, it's a... and then after the hike, you wish you're going to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. It's very addictive. It is addictive, yeah. And is your sobriety challenged? That, yes, I was going to say, is it, is it easy? Yeah. But yeah, you took the words right um, out of my mouth. Not, uh, it was in the beginning uh, when I was newly sober, uh, but right now, and I, I keep on forgetting to do this at, at all the hikes, and I'm sorry, Mama. Um, I want to announce to people that if you need to talk to someone, if you don't want to drink, if you if you need to talk to someone, talk to me. I, I'm the DD for every single hike. And sometimes I, I get so excited for the hike, I forget to announce that to everybody. Mm. But um, I, I, 
I don't think about it. I've got way too much to lose. I've worked so hard on my sobriety. Um, my wife, a second DUI, she picked me up from jail. Um, do you know how embarrassing that is when your wife has to pick you up from jail? It's bad. It's wow. bad. <laughs> it's bad. She wanted to kill me. I bet. Yeah. Um, and but she trusts me, and I'm there for the veterans. Um, I'm there to to help them out. I'm trying to be a peer certified resource specialist. So when all this stuff comes back to normal, hopefully I will get uh, training from the state and I will be able to help more people. I'm actually running for the um, chaplain of the VFW for the state of Tennessee. It will give me a big, bigger platform to help my fellow veterans. Now, there's been a lot of emphasis put on alcohol, so I want to clarify right away. It is not a pub crawl. Right, right, uh, right. It's not. And not everyone, in fact, most people don't drink. Uh, you've got that element that's going to drink too much, and we don't tolerate it. If you are intoxicated publicly, we will put you on a safety vehicle or we'll Uber you to the front and uh, to the front of the hike, and you're going to wait for us or yeah. the next stop. We, we have medics in the element. We don't tolerate drunkenness. No, this is very well organized. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. We're, we have a code of conduct, um, and it's we have we police our own. We don't let anybody step out of line because we are representing not only the veteran community, but those that are still serving and those that we've lost. Mm -hmm. We will not dishonor our branch in the community. Do your kids still go? Yes, nice. they do. Yeah. Andrew, sir, was this a? I always say veterans find your what's next. I just call it the what's next, and. We don't got to go into that, but was this part of your what's next for you? Has this helped you in that sense? Yes, this has helped me tremendously. Um, AA, Irreverent Warriors, it, 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 it was a stepping stone. Um, Irreverent Warriors got me to be more involved with veteran organizations like the Marine Corps League and VFW and AMVETS and DAV. And it just, you know, I got a C plus in, in college for interpersonal communication. Hated public speaking. <laughs> Hated it. And Irreverent Warriors broke my cherry, I guess you could say. Um, I can actually go on TV and talk now and uh, podcasts and this. And wow. two years ago, I was a drunken mess. I was a blackout drunk and I didn't really, I, I was selfish, egocentric. All I cared about was myself. And now I don't. Now I care about her. I care about Irreverent Warriors. I care about veterans. I care about my life and where it's going. Wow. And Mama Bear is, um, she's a big, big contributor. She's a, she's a big part of it. She is. I've heard, by the way, I've heard stories about you a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> no, all good stuff. All good okay. stuff. Um, where is the organization headed? Well, actually, I just spent a couple of days with Donnie. And, okay. and and for people that don't know, Donnie is the founder. Donnie O'Malley's the founder. He and is, is, he, also... is he active in the day-to-day no, he is completely hands off the organization. He's okay. still is the chairman of the board okay. and still um, has, has a huge voice. That's who I, I go to. Okay. And uh, he's gone on to found Vet TV. Vet TV. Which I'm a subscriber. Saw a couple episodes. Very, yeah. very funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, with that. <laughs> Uh-oh, I feel like there's a story there. Do I ask or I don't ask? Well, yeah, okay. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie uh, Grunt's Life. Oh, boy. Um, but for those who have, they understand my embarrassment when I'm sitting next to Donnie watching the movie <laughs> twice. <laughs> I'm like, this is my boss. Next, and that, oh my God. <laughs> it's That's funny. funny. It is funny. So, uh, where, so where's yeah. the organi uh, organization headed? So, we, um, 
the hikes are like the springboard. The hike is our main event, but it's like the springboard. And what we're trying to do is develop that community so that that network um, stays involved in in and alive in between hikes. We do the oh. hikes yearly. So um, getting groups together for a tailgating at a ball game, going to a concert, oh, um, outdoor concert, yes. family picnics, bringing yes. families in together. Yes, because uh, our kids struggle too. That's Veterans, amazing. children in school. Um, especially active duty, they're different and they're treated different. So we got to get them around other kids too. So that happens in between the hikes. And we're also actually talking about putting together um, some property and coming up with a retreat. Wow. uh, Just again, our mission is to bring veterans together. We stay very true to that. We don't try to spin off and do a lot of other little things. We're very good at bringing veterans together. Wow. That's what we do. That's the mission. Mm -hmm. I love it. This is what I... Love and hate about this show that the, the time just flies. I mean, you know, we talk, snap your fingers, it's over. Andrew, what, what would you tell veterans getting out of the military? What would be your piece of advice? Um, find, a, find a VSO. Um, if you have problems, uh, go to the VA. Uh, I know a lot of veterans don't like the VA. Um, I, I've had my ups and downs with the VA, um, but I like it now. I go to my appointments, I take my medicine, I do what I'm supposed to do, I don't drink anymore. Um, and it, it works for me, uh, but get all the information you can about different organizations that help bring veterans together. Got Cause that, if you look at the Marine Corps league, the VFW, any of these, we are all about bringing veterans together. In Reverend Warriors, we just use humor and camaraderie to improve mental health and prevent veteran suicide. And it's working. And it's working. It has been working. Irreverent Warriors dot Com. Com. Check it out. Irreverentwarriors.com. It's a great organization. Uh, I am guilty of not yet going to a hike. Um, And I just heard about the organization this year. And I am very much planning to attend the one here in Scottsdale, I believe, next year. Um, I'm very much hoping to attend the one in Florida on December 12th. Key West. Key West, December 12th. (laughs) The southernmost VA post in the country. I'm... That's going to be huge. Yes. They're all over the country. If they're not in your city or state, they're coming soon. This is a phenomenal nonprofit. This is doing amazing things for the veteran community. Irreverent Warriors, Andrew and Cindy, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, David.